Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and my usual co-host, Devendra Hardwar, is off on break this week, taking a well-deserved vacation. So joining me as special guest co-host is one of my favorite people on the team, Jessica Condit, our senior editor. Hey, Jess. Hello. Wonderful to be here. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, I am excited for today's topic. So today we decided we wanted to do a special topical episode for you guys. Um, And it's something I've been thinking about doing for a while. And uh, basically today we're going to talk all about the way tech can affect your dating, your relationships, or your breakup process and how best to navigate that. So think about things like all the settings you need to immediately change right after a breakup or Google Photos. Is there a way to stop them from showing you photos of your ex? Uh, or when is it okay to, you know, go on Instagram grid official? Before we get to all of that, though, please, if you're liking the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe on all the platforms that you get podcasts on. And if you have thoughts, questions or any feedback, send us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. We also live stream the behind the scenes making of this show every Thursday, typically at 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. So make sure you mark your calendars for that as well. So like I said, we have a topical episode today. We're going to talk about dating and tech, especially because it is the holiday season. I know people don't tend to like link the two together, you know, holiday season and dating, but think about it, right? A lot of people go into holiday season. You've just gone home with your significant other maybe to have Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, Zoomed your family for the first time. Who knows? I have been broken up with right before Thanksgiving, just so you know. But anyway... Hmm. Are you traumatized? Can you like no longer have turkey now? <laughs> oh, no, I, I enjoy it now. It's like okay, the good, taste good. of misery is excellent. Um, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> yes. Joining us today to talk all about that, we're so fortunate to have this guest, Dr. Nerdlove himself, dating coach and relationship advice columnist, Harris O'Malley. Hi, Harris. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm sorry that was such a long <laughs> intro to get to you. <laughs> no, no, this is this is a, a time when relationships really start to get strained because just the stress of the holidays, stress of meeting family, possibly for the first right. time. And as we get to the end of the year, suddenly everybody's starting to really think about, okay, is this working for me? Is this what I want? Is this time for a change? And it gets harder to ignore those really pressing questions. Yeah. And and so like one of your columns I remember reading um, was about how now in the pandemic too, a lot of people have been forced into de facto long distance relationships, right? If they're, if they were Mm -hmm. not living together before the pandemic. And so a lot of relationships used to already be heavily conducted through social media, technology, phone, whatever. Now, even more so, a lot of people have been forced into that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So even like people who live in the same city, but they're quarantining hard and really isolating are finding themselves having to treat this like a long distance relationship when they didn't have to before. And that's making things difficult because they're not used to having that, like not having that in-person connection. And that really kind of takes its toll after a while. 
we'll get into I think maybe some of like how to navigate being in a relationship where you you know can you have to conduct most of your interactions on online um but I think we wanted to start talking first about people who might be getting ready or getting over uh, a breakup uh and <laughs> we kind of have I think we some of us have personal experiences to share uh, <laughs> but just in general Harris do you have any advice for someone that might be you know, getting, you know, just broken up with or recently broken up uh, and the the steps that they need to take right now on their phones, like what must they do on their phones, their laptops, their homes? Yeah, one of the things I tend to tell people a lot when they break up with someone is to take what I call the nuclear option, which is Mm -hmm. you want to cut ties immediately. Not because, you know, they broke up with you or you broke up with them and now they're dead to you and you shall never speak their name again, but because it's really hard to heal when you're constantly having that, like, that, hey, you just broke up thrown in your face. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, you know, you're looking at your phone, you're going through your photos and Apple suddenly throws, like, the for you section, there you are with your ex. (laughs) Suddenly it's like, okay, cool, you're getting stabbed with a tiny little knife all over again. So one of the things you want to do is start just not necessarily blocking, but definitely muting or unfollowing them across all forms of social media. Mm-hmm. Because that's just going to be one of those times of, because of the algorithm, because you've interacted so much, they're going to show up in your timeline a lot, and that's going to hurt. And mm-hmm. as soon as they start dating someone else, or even start talking to somebody else, or just having a good time with someone else, that's going to feel deeply, deeply personal. It's going to, even if it's not, it's going to feel like it's directly aimed at you and it's just going to break your heart all over again. So muting them, unfollowing them, just finding ways of putting them aside, at least for a little while, until you've had a chance to heal, goes Mm -hmm. a very, very long way from keeping, keeping yourself from dealing with unnecessary pain. And like, that's not weak. That's just smart. (laughs) That's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't look bad to anyone else when you do that. It really is just protecting yourself, getting out of the situation. I mean, it feels like you're taking control in a way, which is a good feeling when you're in the middle of a breakup. I, I love that that's your perspective, Jess, because the way I think about it is I don't want to do the nuclear option because I mm. feel like it's so mean or it's so like, I think some people, um, when the breakup is fresh, hope for reconciliation still. So I think mm-hmm. when you do that nuclear option, people maybe feel like, but what if we get back together again or something, right? And mm. that might feel hard for them. For me, the difference between a block and a mute or an unfollow, there, there's like minute differences to it that I think could make the person trying to protect themselves uh, feel a little bit better. So maybe mm-hmm. if you're, you know, hopeful for a reconciliation, I personally think that maybe you don't need to do the block or the unfollow, but at least mute. I think mute feels like a good temporary solution um, that you can still like undo if anything mm-hmm. changes at all. And it works for like however long you need it to work to. At least that's what I'm thinking. That's what I do. I mute. And then eventually when I know that like, well, this person's never going to be in my life again, I'll do the unfollow. I never ever do a block Uh though. It feels so mean. Yeah. See, that's, I don't worry about being mean in that situation. (laughs) I'm, I'm usually hurt or I'm just angry and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm out. Like that's the end for me. It seems like you still have hope at the end of that. Harris, do you think there's, there's, there's a difference between them? Well, I do. Uh, when you uh, like on Facebook, if you unfollow somebody, or Twitter, if you just mute, mute them, they don't know. So, yeah. as far as they're concerned, everything is status quo. They may, you know, they may tweet at you, they may message you, but you never see it. But they don't get that whole, you know, you cannot connect with this person. Whereas block, it's obvious. So right. that does preserve the chance of getting back together when circumstances change. But that that feeling that you mentioned early on about like, but what if we want to get back together? That's a that's a noble thing to feel, but especially in the mm-hmm. early days, that's not going to happen because whatever mm-hmm. broke you up is still in effect, and nothing has changed yet. And you got to have mm-hmm. time to first of all, you have to have time to process your feelings, and then you got to have time to kind of figure out what happened. You have to be able to say like, all right, how much how much of this was something that I did? How much was something that they did? And if it is something that you know, if it's something that I did, what am I responsible for? Yeah. How do I fix that? How do I change things? How do I take responsibility for what I did? And it's very yeah. rare that breakups are 100% one-sided. They do happen. Mm-hmm. They do happen. But sometimes it's a case of – it's like watching um, 
trying to think what the what which we was, but oh yeah, uh, chasing Amy, where it's like, okay, yes, this was unacceptable, but also this is unacceptable. Like you have these attitudes that are making it hard, and the, you know this person has done things that are making it really hard. You can't really reconcile them until the, until you've dealt with your own stuff first. And yeah. you can't and you can't do that when you're constantly holding on to this idea of, but what if we just go right back to normal? Like nothing has changed and. Then you get to do yeah. the dance remix of your breakup all over again, just a little <laughs> bit faster and a lot more intense. But that's an interesting thing then. Like, is there a, any kind of a signifier on the way out that you can maybe still attempt to be friends with someone or, um, you know, your personalities match up in a certain way, but maybe mm. not for, um, you know, romantic partnership or anything like that? Yeah, I would say tell them. It's like, hey, listen, I would love to be friends down the line, but right now I have to, you know, this is going to really hurt me and I need to take care of myself. So I need to, right. I'm going to have to go away for a little while until I can, until I'm ready for this. I mean, I think that, um, I think what Ben's trying to say is like, do, do, do you n know if you can stay friends, if you can keep following each other on social media? I think there are people who nobly try to remain <laughs> friends after. Um, and I think when you do that though, you, you, leave the door open kind of for embarrassing incidents maybe to happen if you've both moved on. I think, uh, I don't know if Jess, you wanted to share that story you were telling us about. <laughs> there are instances that like, I think we all have to kind of learn how to navigate with social media and breakups and all that. And like, so I have an ex and it's been years now, but just, I mean, fairly recently, uh, I noticed that late at night, he had liked a very old photo of mine and like, all I thought was just, oh, I feel so bad for you. You got caught. Like, that's what yeah. we don't want. When we're Red sneaky scrolling. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why you use an incognito account. This is why you make a yes. fake account. You share it with your friends. It's very fun. I don't do that. But <laughs> sure. No. No, I, I honestly don't care that much. I, I wish I did. But uh, no, it was just like, I just felt like, oh, man, what do I do? I do nothing, right? And he does nothing. And we just all ignore it and walk away. And like, that's okay. Is that the move? Yeah, yeah I think so. Because having, having steps between you and being able to get in contact with your ex can be important. Because I think all of us have had that moment of either late at night, you're lonely, or you've had like a couple of too many drinks. And you just want to either you want to reach out and just say, hey, thinking of you or you, you know, sometimes get a little bit belligerent. It's like, look at how over you I am. And you <laughs> yes. wake up the next morning and like trying desperately how to figure out how to unsend something that somebody already read. And having steps in the way keeps you from making that mistake, too. Well, okay, so I think some of the stuff we're talking about right now, I think everyone feels it's not obvious, but these are things that people know they should do, and whether or not they do them ultimately boils down to how willing they are to take those steps, right? But I think another thing I realized or came off or came across recently, um, my most recent breakup was like right, like a few months before the pandemic. So that's fairly recent. And it's surprising how much tech has evolved lately that like the newest things there are just so many new things that will crop up and pop up to remind you that like that this person used to be in your life. For example, for me, it was like a month after my last breakup, like my ex had removed me from his Google home because like I think I had access to like use a voice command or something with a smart speaker there. And like he removed me and Google was like, hey, so and so removed you from their Google home. I was like, I really needed to know that, Google. Thanks for telling me. I absolutely needed to know that my ex removed me. It was really hard. So I wanted to go over some of the other like surprises that can sneak up on you so that you know our, our listener and our viewer can be aware and start removing or, or preparing yourself for some of these to come. I don't think you can be fully 100% prepared all of the time, but maybe these are some things, maybe there are steps you can take to better protect yourself. I don't know, Harris, do you have any idea of some like some of these sneakier attacks? Well, I think part of part of what's going to be important is knowing all of the notification settings on all of like as much of the tech as you shared as possible, mm -hmm. because otherwise that's how you get those little moments of like, you know, my ex just unfriended me or my ex just, you know, removed me from the Google calendar. And yeah. if you can pre if you can preemptively change your notifications wherever possible, you can't in some cases uh, mm -hmm. that does cut down on the mat on those little surprises that crop up. And keeps you from keeps you from feeling worse. And that some of the times it's just a case of knowing them in advance. Um, that's one of the mm. issues with like photos, for example, mm -hmm. when uh, like Facebook will say, "Hey, remember?" You know, they'll they'll do the uh, <laughs> year ago today, 
and it'll pop up a picture of something that you'd rather not remember. It's like, oh, thank you. I, I wanted to remember this awful time of my life. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so knowing how to go through and turn off those particular dates or even that that span of dates makes mm. it a lot means that it's not going to crop up. And that can that can apply to anything. I've had that when uh, when a cat died. And right, yeah. suddenly it's just like, hey, remember this? And it's like my in memoriam for my beloved pet. It's like, oh, cool. I needed to cry today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like, this is just something it feels like we have to live with now. Like, like Google in particular, because I, I have an Android device. I use Google all the time. So I get a lot of like, do you want to send this to your ex? Or, you know, do you <laughs> like, do you want to see these memories all the time? And um, it's just like, yeah, there's so much in our lives now. Like all these apps, it's not just Google, but all these apps are so integrated mm-hmm. that there's no way we're going to be able to turn off every setting, not be surprised when you open Venmo and forget that your friend's on Venmo, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's Venmo just, is it's the everywhere. worst minefield. Let's just put that out it there. Is. Venmo is the trickiest. Yes, sneakiest. that's like I it's was the, the one who brought that up first yeah. because like, why is Venmo like that? Right. Why are all transactions public? Like people can do some really weird things on Venmo and it's just out there for everyone to see. But especially for an ex, and then you see all of a sudden they're like doing three transfers a week with this new person yep. being like, oh, <laughs> like the note is you stink, oh. you know, like go Cute take stuff. a bath right. you know, later on that week. And it's like, oh, oh God, I yeah. know exactly what's going on here. Yeah, or you see them, like, paying back for, like, you know, that night at Juliet's or whatever. It's like, oh, wait, that was the restaurant we used to go to. They're taking them to my, our place. And just... Oh. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, that's worst way to find out your ex moved on. It's like, you see it on their Venmo account. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, how you like, had, that's how you had to learn? <laughs> and it doesn't even feel malicious at that point. They were literally right. just doing a transaction. They're They're, like, kind of trying to hide it. It's not like they're on Instagram throwing it in your face. Mm-hmm. Dang it. They're, yeah. <laughs> They're just having fun. They're not doing anything. But sometimes we do it to ourselves, too. If we're like actively stalking. Sure. But I think there is something that companies can do. And I think I see the sentiment a lot on our YouTube live chat right now, too, is that like, gosh, could some of these companies have an option? I think it wouldn't be that difficult, for example, to have Google Photos have an option where you can have a face that you, that's already identified as being in a lot of your photos. Just like, Block this, per- like, don't show the pictures mm-hmm. of these people for a year, and that'll be great. Um, mm-hmm. And Google Photos just doesn't have that. I think in mm-hmm. Apple Photos you might do. Uh, I'm not very sure, but Facebook, Instagram, Google Photos, anything that like thrives and and you know mines your data like that should have that option to make your life just a little bit easier. Yeah, there might be a way of kind of like back like backshotting that one, where if you use their machine learning to identify all those photos. And then kind of quarantine them into one folder and then just put a, mm-hmm. like, never show this, like, mark on that folder. Right. That might that might work. But yeah, that's still so work. that's still so many steps as opposed to just like, yeah, please don't show me this person for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there should be a wanna, way to do that. Yeah, like when you don't want to be thinking about that person. Like, you don't want to be spending the time to do that. But, no, and I, th- I think, like, we were talking about Instagram earlier and, mm-hmm. like, I... I don't like go back and delete old photos of exes and stuff. I just kind of let my mm-hmm. life live out there as it is. I, I don't look back myself, so it doesn't bother me. But mm-hmm. like, I know Sherlyn, I think, do you like clean up your, your grid? <laughs> I, <laughs> can I tell you my very dramatic stories? So <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like four years ago, I had one like pretty bad breakup. And then that one was, I didn't remove the photos of uh, me and that ex from that one. But what I did was I created a whole new Instagram account. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> so if you scroll all the way to the bottom of my current Instagram account, there's like, it's from, it's fairly recent just because like, wow. I, it was so bad for me. I just created a brand new <laughs> Instagram account. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> oh, God, that's amazing. <laughs> I yeah, still have like 20 friends who follow that old Instagram account randomly going like, what happened to this account? I'm like, I, I've moved on. I'm like, I don't use that account anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty dramatic. But then uh, for a more recent example, yeah, I had pictures of another ex on my public uh, Instagram account. This time around, um, I think at some point I was just like, well, I don't really need to have this person's face on my account anymore. Yeah. It just doesn't 
matter. Um, I don't remember what drove me to do it, but I also didn't want to do the nuclear option of like deleting, like a hard delete. So what I, mm-hmm. what Instagram does allow you to do is to archive some of these pictures or posts that you just maybe for some reason don't like anymore. Um, and you can still reinstate them if you want at some point to your grid. Um, if you decided, yeah, it's not that much of a big deal. I don't mind like, you know, letting people see that this was my past again, then you can reinstate them. So I kind of like that. And that's what I did. I like that that Instagram had that option. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Is that is that a good option, Harris, do you think? Is, uh, is it effective? I think so. Yeah, because it gives you the chance of looking back later when things aren't so mm-hmm. fe- aren't so intense, they aren't so bad. And also yeah. if things if things improve. I mean, one of my most dramatic breakups happened in the live journal era, and that got oh my. <laughs> yeah. That was that was fun because you want to talk about really hard to go back and clean that out. Oh, I <laughs> I used to have so many secret tumblers dedicated <laughs> oh. to each partner. It was great. <laughs> oh my god! I'm you the just worst. make accounts on accounts. Look at you. So many. I have like <laughs> ten tumblers. It's pretty okay, bad. Okay, but speaking of siloing things, <laughs> okay. Harris, mm-hmm. you said something about um, like tagging pictures mm-hmm. specifically with a person. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of photo apps, uh, iPhoto does this, or like the, the the photo app on your iPhone does this. I'm sure Google has something similar. Um, you can do this on Mac OS. You can tag photos. You can say, all right, you know, I want this tag associated with this photo, and you can do that as you go through. And I think that's a good idea to do just in general. I mean, I know we all take thousands of photos every day these days, but by doing that, by tagging them, you make it a lot easier to search for them. And that has a lot of benefits because uh, recently a friend of mine passed away and I was going through my phone desperately trying to find like old photos of all of us together. And it was really hard because, you know, I've got you know, 50,000 photos on there and trying to figure out like, wait, what day did I take this? And if I could search specifically for his name, that would have made things easier. And but doing that with the person you're dating, you have those photos like tag, you know, date night with so and so or just their name. You can then search that, get them all in one place, and then either delete them or archive them. Just quarantine them into another fo- into another uh, another folder, and then hide that folder. And then you don't have those just popping up when you're looking through for that cute meme you saved or for the cat picture or mm-hmm. whatever that you wanted to send your friends. No, you had a clever like a way of <laughs> preventing yourself from stumbling across excess photos in your role. So yeah, what was that? <laughs> This is another way to like kind of pre- prevent yourself from seeing things that hurt you. You know, like right the days after a breakup can feel very painful and um, your photo album, your photo gallery is probably still filled with happy, smiling pictures of the two of you if you scroll down a little too much, right? So one way I found effective to dr- kind of just drown all of that out is just like take screenshots of things that you like, like screenshots of cute animals or cute babies. Just like fill your photo album with screenshots so that you don't have to, you can bury all of that stuff. I, I don't know if it's too avoidant if you do that, but I think it's a nice way to like make sure that the first few things you see whenever you open your photos app, if you're looking for a photo, you know, is something that makes you happy. Because also in the first few days of a breakup, no one's really going around taking pictures of like, yourself smiling. You, you, right. You're you not really going out and having a lot of fun a lot, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as fun. easy to just... Or too much fun. <laughs> you're not going out to take photos of things that make you happy all that much too. So I, I thought that was... I thought that was a, you know, a tip that people could learn from. That's clever. I really like that. I, <laughs> we have some contributions I also wanted to share. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the members of our video team mentions that their ex posted a story on Instagram that was a picture of the words, I guess, what kind of dumpster fire are you after they got engaged or after they announced that they got engaged, which is like the subtweetiest of subtweeting things to do. <laughs> Um, you know, there's also people who are mentioning that, uh, sometimes people create other accounts to stalk their exes anonymously. Mm -hmm. Does that happen a lot, Harris? And is that advisable? Like to avoid these like accidental likes? I think it happens a lot more than people like to admit because we're all (laughs) human and we all want to know what our exes get up to, even if it's only for the chat, either if it's for the... Uh, hoping they're going to get back together or for the schadenfreude of look at how miserable they are. I don't think it's really advisable, though. I think all that really does is just reemphasize over and over again, at least to yourself, that you've just gotten dumped and that you're single and miserable. And I think 
I, I think it's better to focus on yourself and improving and working on, like I said, processing your feelings, but also working out the things that make you feel better. Take this time to do mm-hmm. things that like really feed your soul and reconnect mm-hmm. with like reconnect with the things that you love that maybe you weren't able to do because you didn't have the time because you were in a relationship or yeah. take on new projects because you didn't have time or because maybe your ex had a conflict with it. They, they just really didn't like your hobbies or something. And now you can re-engage with right. those. And those make you feel better than make you feel like you've gotten back with yourself. Whereas just stalking your ex is just forcing yourself to stay in one place until the day comes when they've gotten over you. And you haven't gotten over them because you're still just kind of like focused on them so much. Right. Mm -hmm. I think like, it sounds like honestly, after a breakup, maybe a social media break entirely might be the best way. Cause like, that's kind of what I do. I'll just pull away. I'll just take a step. I need, need to focus on me, whatever, you know, and, and just, I don't worry about that stuff. So that's kind of my approach. Maybe, maybe that's avoidant too, but it feels healthy to just kind of not, not engage for a while. Well, I think calling it avoidance is kind of a mistake because it's the old, it's the old saying of doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this. Well, stop doing that. <laughs> You're a you good know, doctor. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. If, if it keeps hurting when you poke it, maybe stop poking it for a while. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I have a similar tactic. I think just with with um yeah withdrawing a little bit, but I'm pretty extroverted, so I I still do a lot of like social media of other things. I actually rely on the internet to distract myself when I am, you know, suffering. So mm-hmm. it's, I think, hard to, to just completely. Same. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I need, I need to see the, the things on like cat memes or something, you know, or dog surprises in a YouTube video. But um, it's inevitable when you're doing that, when you're just doing anything on the internet at all, more or less anything is going to remind you of your ex, especially if you had like a significant relationship together where you spent a lot of your life together, everything's going to remind you of them. So I think that doing the whole, like the things we've said this episode so far, where you, you know, block them if you can, you remember to go through all your apps to like mute the notifications, like Harris said, um, just do all of that. It's it's going to help you minimize the hurt that can come up because there's still going to be so much other hurt that you're not going to be prepared for mm-hmm. or be able to prepare for. And you're right. Everything reminds you of the ex. It everything. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not just social media. It's literally you'll look around your house. and. I mean, speaking of that, too, I wanted to bring up like um, the, the fact that there's just so many things, right? There's OK. So we talked about Venmo. We talked about um you know smart homes like the google home thing there are unexpected surprises in the what if you're trying to get an uber and it auto fills your ex's address (laughs) Mm. or on spotify when you have the shared playlists yes exactly that's a big one Mm -hmm. those are two things i wanted to bring up so uber i had my ex set up as a trusted contact and yeah spotify it's like shared playlists or like tv streaming services where like you either have your exes logged into your account or you're logged into their account what do you do you got to spend money for hulu now like ugh. it's <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> yeah so i think if we're just i think to wrap up the whole breakup uh part a little bit i think the general advice seems to be go through your phone go through all the tech things you have and whatever you can do to like minimize those notifications, really like every single app on your phone, I'm saying like, I feel like you need to go that in depth, do all the like muting notifications if you can. And for tech companies out there that might be listening, if y'all can have a, to quote our viewer, Mark Dell, they're dead to me option (laughs) on your phone, on your services, that would be great. So like I enter someone's name or email and we go, they're dead to me. You just unshare all our Google Docs, pull away all our calendars, stop showing up their photos, just all the yep. things that you have control over. Do that for us. Make it easier. DTM, <laughs> dead to me. I like that. There's there some startup that's going to start just going through all the APIs and just using that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not that difficult. It's a good idea. Um, <laughs> that's a million dollar app idea right there, man. That one's free, guys. Just credit me. Take it. <laughs> Credit the Engadget Podcast and Dr. Nerd Love. <laughs> right, done. Okay. okay, but it's not but all doom and gloom, right? Yes, we... <laughs> it is not all doom and gloom. So, like, you know, we are going to a new year, post-pandemic year. So, like, if you're looking toward a new relationship, are there good 
um, best practices for that sort of thing. You know, like it's no longer Facebook official. Now it's like Instagram grid official. <laughs> or, you know, moving them from stories to grid. Like, does anyone know how to do that well? Is there etiquette there, Harris? Do you think that is there a too soon to post them to the grid sort of a thing? I think it's fascinating because it changes every five seconds. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I am an internet old enough to remember when Facebook official became a thing. And mm -hmm. th then suddenly it just become like, th then it starts just turning into all of these other questions of like, okay, well, what about Instagram? What about these other, what about these other services? When do you turn off your online dating app? And it, it, that becomes one of those things I think it, it is unique to every relationship. I think it's really hard to say that we have to do, you have to have a universal rule for all of these because some people just have different relationships with different uh, social media. A lot of people mm -hmm. just don't take uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatnot very seriously. So right. if you say, uh, can I move you from, you know, my, my reels to my grid? And they're going to look at you like, what, what are you talking about? Why are you, why are you speaking Esperanto <laughs> to me now? Um, <laughs> So that, but it's just kind of like, it, do, it does bring up the question of what does social media mean in this day and age? Because now that we live so much of our lives in the public eye and showing it and curating it for everybody else, does having someone else in your photos or tagging them in stuff mean something? And I think right. that really kind of comes down to what it means to the both of you. Like some people don't care. For some people, it is like of dire significance. Oh, yeah. I remember. How do you even ask whether or not it's of dire significance? Because I think that as as a straight male, specifically for me, I I think that many straight men will be completely stupid about this, <laughs> and then you'll be seeing someone for you know, let's say, a good number of months, maybe four months or five months or something, and all of a sudden, like things feel a little bit weird, and they're like, "You haven't posted anything about us," and I'm like, "I." barely post at all but like if that's important to you like how was I supposed to know that that's important to you like uh, you know how do I even ask that question is my question to you Harris honestly I think it you literally just have to say it uh, one of the that's one of the biggest problems is that we all tend to assume that our experiences are universal and or that our expectations are what everybody's feeling and we just assume that that's what everybody wants and that leads us into all kinds of problems and that covers the entire gamut because you're going to have people who are like, wait, I thought we were exclusive. Well, we never said mm -hmm. anything about that. Mm -hmm. And what does exclusivity mean to you versus to you? And mm -hmm. that's um, – I talk about having the defining the relationship conversation. And I, I've – over time, I've kind of come to the idea of that it's not a single conversation. It is a series of conversations. And part of what you really want to do over time is kind of define your terms and just make sure that everybody's on the same page. And so you want to make sure that you understand like, all right, here's, here's the thing that is important to me. And here's how I feel about this or here's what this means to me. Like to someone who just shares a lot of photos with their friends and their friends may be right. all across the gender spectrum, having pictures or tagging people in, in their Instagram stories may be no big deal. But to somebody for whom it is like, they kind of treat Instagram like the paparazzi. It's like, oh, look who they're dating this week. Right. Then that means like that's a more significant relationship. So talking about that, saying, talking about like, like, yeah, here's what I do. And it feels weird to, to like bring it up. It feels awkward. But honestly, just embrace the awkward and just say, yeah, we're going to this is going to feel a bit, a bit of a strange conversation to have. But let's just power through this. Let's just figure out like we understand what this means so that we don't have a mm -hmm. fight over this utterly random thing, leaving each other going like, wait, why, why are we fighting over this? I mean, I just remember like when I started dating my, my now fiance, by the way, very exciting. Congratulations. That just happened. It's very new. It's very exciting. Yeah. Well, so I'm actually going to ask you a question about that specifically, mm -hmm. but like, I remember when I started dating him, it was kind of, it took us both a second to be like, can we post photos of us together? Because it was pretty soon after both of us had ended relationships and like, we didn't want to hurt the other person. We didn't want to seem cruel or like, we didn't want people to think we were moving on too fast. You know, so many things. Yeah. It's very yeah. heavy in certain situations. It can feel heavy. These, like just mm -hmm. posting a photo of you with mm -hmm. someone that you love or whatever. Um, but in terms of the, uh, the engagement, so I wonder, <laughs> Dr. Nerdlove, if you can advise mm -hmm. me, is there a non-corny like way to announce an engagement is there a best way is there a bad way that i should avoid 
because uh, like Instagram is kind of my platform of choice. Mm-hmm. I haven't announced this yet. Uh, only my family and <laughs> exclusive to know. the Engadget podcast. Yeah, what? this is this is exclusive news, everyone. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, I don't I'm know thrilled to be here for this breaking story. <laughs> yeah. What have, so what have you seen in your expertise? Um, I don't know if there is a non-cheesy way to do it that doesn't make it seem like you don't care. So you might as well just get cheesy about it. Like it's an I exciting agree. time. Get excited about it. You know, that's, it's fully that's not my jam. Okay. <laughs> embrace the corn. Embrace the cheese. Have a yummy engagement announcement post. It's a no-win situation because no matter how you do it, somebody's gonna get like come up with some reason about why it's wrong. It's like, right. how dare you, you know, how dare you ignore the plight of the terminally single by celebrating how, how like, happy you are. I'm sorry. I can't stop. <laughs> you, you gotta, sometimes you just have to, to live for your own, for your own happiness. And if you're thrilled and this is, this is such a great thing, just like share that, share your happiness and just let it be what it is. Yeah. And I think that's the trick with most social media is just be genuine. People really respond to that. Like you can tell mm-hmm. when someone is actually excited or actually having the best brunch ever or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like it, I get that. I get that. I think I, I just need to figure out what I'm feeling and then yeah, that's, put it out there for yeah, the, the, world. the genuine, <laughs> like you were saying, the genuineness is really important because it's so easy to kind of create and curate this image of yourself on social media. We all yeah. do it. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. And but it's that mo- those moments of genuineness that really really help us feel like connected to our friends, especially if we in their they're in other cities or other countries and we can't see them right now. And seeing that that human side of them is great, as opposed mm-hmm. to the very the like the Potemkin village version of our lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to say to circle back really quickly to that difference between say a person who lives their life a lot on social media and a person who is very averse to social media too. I think that conversation that you talk about having, Harris, is also a sign of the strength of your relationship. For for me, like, I take a shit ton of photos. I was like, can I swear? Never mind. Um, A ton of photos. And um, my exes have been people who tend to frown upon, like, social media as, like, oh, only, like, really needy and attention, you know, hungry people use that much social media and stuff like that. I'm just like, all right, well, that's... You know, like I used to feel, I think uh, older versions of me who are less like confident and secure used to feel very judged by that. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm just like, well, I'm going to do me. And if you're not comfortable with it, we can talk. If it's infringing on your privacy in a way, we can talk. But like if, if you can't even have that conversation in a healthy way, if your partner refuses at all to hear your point of view, I think that that's the first sign for you that maybe you should work on something here like this the issue is about something larger than whether or not you take or post pictures to your social media too much that's what i think yeah and i can understand why sometimes you might have a partner who feels like if you don't take a lot of photos or talk about the two of you together then maybe they feel like you're trying to hide them and god yeah god knows i've seen people who've tried to hide the fact that they're in relationships because they were kind of dogs um (laughs) But also, I know people who, for whom their social media is primarily for work or for branding, mm-hmm. and so they don't talk about their relationships much on there. And on the yeah. and like what you were just saying about like dating someone who thinks it's stupid, like mm-hmm. that's it's one thing if they just like they don't like it themselves, but if they're judging you for how you right. use social media, that starts turning into a, just a like a personal compatibility issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it's it's one thing to say like okay this is not my particular cup of coffee cup of tea whatever but you know what do your thing it's okay I'll try I'll try to hide my rolling my eyes at it but if they're like <laughs> making a big deal about how you shouldn't or how you're dumb or flighty or attention hungry then no that's not cool and that's usually a sign that right. the two of you probably aren't going to work. But also I've noticed that the people who complain about, especially, and it's such a gendered thing, it's almost always guys complaining about women doing this, you know, saying like, women want so much attention, they're posting so much to social media. It's like, oh, I, I see, you're, you're writing this from your cave living, where you live a monk-like <laughs> existence and nobody sees this on the Twitter account you just shared it on. <laughs> yeah. All these, all these accounts of, of pretty young women like posting on Instagram, they got a lot of followers and... Uh, I, I mean, that's that's not just happening on its own. So mm-hmm. that's these these guys that you're saying that don't understand it are actually following these accounts. They appreciate the content, appreciate it from your your partner as well. I mean, mm-hmm. why can't they yeah. be a content creator, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ben, you were you you were saying something before I interrupted. Oh, the I think the only thing is that, uh, or the important thing to remember with all of this is embrace the awkwardness. If it feels <laughs> awkward, maybe that means that you're just communicating. You're communicating, and if you communicate more, then hopefully it feels less awkward. And also, like embrace the corn, mm-hmm. embrace um, like genuineness, because mm-hmm. God knows we don't have nearly enough genuineness on the internet. I thought you were going to say nearly enough corn because... <laughs> no, no. Every, but everybody really does try to like keep their emotions at arm's length on the mm-hmm. internet, it seems. And I don't think that that's healthy for a human being to do, especially mm-hmm. all the time. You actually see this with the whole debate about Christmas movies, about the whole Die Hard is a Christmas movie, no it's not, and arguing <laughs> about like the Hallmark Christmas movies or the Happiest Season or whatnot. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Liz Powell, and I did a screening of the the Christmas Wedding Planner, and they said something that kind of like that kind of like made me go, oh, "Wow, you're right." Uh, a lot of people who talk about like you know Die Hard or Gremlins or uh, or Lethal Weapon or the best Christmas movie, it's like, are you just uncomfortable with just like open expression of emotion and just mm. cheesy happiness? Ooh. And that when yeah. they said that, I had to go, "Ooh." Well, no, I don't like most Hallmark Christmas movies because they're horrible, horribly written and badly acted. But no, you may have a point there. You like, I, I, I'm gonna have to stop and think about this now. Oh, you have to that watch is... Love Actually or something. Yeah. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah, like an actual good holiday movie. You'd have to find one of those like cheesy and filled with warmth, but still well written <laughs> and well. I don't. Does it exist? I'm not sure. So yeah, I think that's that's about all the time we have to talk about dating and tech today. So if you have any ideas or any experiences you want to share with us, make sure to send us uh, an email at podcast at engadget.com. But it was such a great conversation. Thanks for joining us, Harris. It was so good. This was great. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Jess, what have you been working on? Um, Well, right now I'm working on calming my dogs down because they just ran in (laughs) here from the other room. (laughs) So sorry. People are excited to see them. (laughs) Well, they're they're running. They're they're flying. (laughs) Okay. Um, They're excited. They (laughs) they like to go uh, into the sun right by the door. They they just found it. Um, Right now, what am I working on? Is that what you asked me? Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm working on a big secret game review. I can't tell you which one, but if you mm-hmm. think real hard, I think I think mm-hmm. y'all will figure it out. I think um, most so that's, people know, yeah. Yeah, that's coming really soon. Um, I'm very excited about that. Um, but then I also like talked with the creator of Maquette. This is an indie game published by Annapurna Interactive. It's kind of about Ooh. relationships, but it's a puzzle game. It's very cool. It's like a bunch of worlds inside of worlds inside of worlds. Um, so I talked with I them. Play this and, game? Yeah, it'll be coming out soon. It's not out yet, um, oh. but but you'll you can find out when you read my article next week. Um, okay. What else might I think that's that's basically it. Uh, the Game Awards are next week too, so I'm preparing for that. We're gonna just cover it. Yeah, and as yeah. as like everyone else, you probably have a lot of year end stuff and like you know CES prep to do. I get it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On my end, I wanted to, um, you know, some some people come to the Engadget podcast for weekly news. And this week I've been covering Qualcomm's Tech Summit, where the company announced a new Snapdragon 888, um, a very auspicious number in Chinese culture, I'd like to point out. Um, But I wanted to quickly go over it, right? The Snapdragon 888 is uh, the latest of Qualcomm's 800 series chipsets, and these chips usually go on to power the highest-end flagships, uh, Android flagship phones of the year after. So 2021's phones are probably mostly going to use the Snapdragon 888. Now, this chip has a few interesting things, like new architecture, right? Instead of using big little cores, it uses a prime core, three big cores, and then four little cores, which is like completely new. I'd love to see how, you know, what that means for performance. Qualcomm said something about like 35% uh, better performance here. So I'd love to see what that means, how that translates, what kind of power efficiency we're looking at. But and more and, and you know, some other interesting features include like the support for triple video and photo streams at once on your smartphone, uh, in twelve twenty-eight megapixel resolution for photos and four K HDR for videos. So you can nice. do things like yeah, live overlaying of different um 
scenes or, or different effects. You can get better HDR. Uh, there's now support for 10-bit HDR in the HEIF file format um, because in the past, it could the Snapdragon's 800 series cards of the past could support 10-bit HDR, but when they saved the photos in JPEG, it had to be compressed down to 8-bit. So now you're going to get true color depth, um, true 10-bit color depth of that. The problem is HEIF is not a very widely supported format, in my opinion, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> also, for the first time, the Snapdragon 888 has an integrated 5G modem, which if I were talking to Devendra about this, we would be yelling at Qualcomm for a little bit, but... <laughs> I, I have nothing to add. I'm so I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's this is this is me. You're being me when you talk about gaming yep. now, right? I love it. Like, sounds great. Yes. <laughs> sounds powerful. Sounds fast. I like it. <laughs> yes, but the 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 one new feature I think you and I can both relate to on this, and that I think stands out and is sometimes not mentioned enough, is that the Snapdragon 888 also comes with this feature. Uh, by, by a company called TruePick, and it's called it's part of the content authenticity uh, content authenticity initiative. So CAI, and it's basically a cryptographic method of making sure uh, or verifying the origins of a picture. Mm. Uh, so if it's taken on your phone and you use the CAI method to take it, it will have this cryptographic C around or on the picture. So and it will stay on the picture as it is shared on other platforms. So this not only helps with things like um, making sure a picture is untouched on social media. Um, you know, Adobe is also behind this. New York Times is also behind this initiative. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll see in magazines some sort of method of supporting this um, mm -hmm. to show that pictures are not retouched. But also, I think in, in, in fighting fake news and fighting mm -hmm. the spread of misinformation, this has a great impact. So I'm excited I to love see that. just, yeah, have you heard about CAI? I mean, I think it was just a blip on the news stream, like when it was announced a couple months ago or so. No, I, I must not have been on news that day. Um, but exactly. like, no, it, it, seriously, because that sounds like something that I, I think about a lot when we're thinking about the future of media and just literacy among among yeah. the, the readership and, and the viewership. Um, I think we're going to need a verification process for videos. I mean, deep fakes are a real problem. Yes. And then, yeah, photos. We need to know what's legit. And if this can do that, I think that's mm -hmm. a really good tool. That's really, really powerful, potentially. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so excited to see this out in the real world. But right now, what's happening with the 888 is that um, it has a camera. It will support cameras that are compliant with the CAI, the Content Authenticity Initiative. So that, to me, is a standout feature. I hope we get to try it out in next year's phones. Great. The other thing I'm working on is the ThinkPad X1 Fold. And uh, we will be talking about it probably more in-depth next week on next week's uh, podcast episode. So come back for that. Uh, but yeah. That's what we've been working on. How about uh, what you're doing for fun, Jess? Uh, do you have any recommendations for our audience, what they can do? Yes, I do. I have a relationship-related recommendation. Yay! Um, it's, it's on Netflix. Um, it's called Are You the One? <laughs> and it's huh. this MTV reality show. And oh, it's, it's kind of techy because they use an algorithm. And they say algorithm a lot. Um, so, so the, like the premise is there's 20 young hot singles and they're all in this house, but mm -hmm. there's one perfect match for each of them in the house. They've been algorithmically matched with one other person in the house and they don't know who it is. So they, the game is they have to all find their perfect match. And if they do, they all get a million dollars to split. So it's like 30,000 each after taxes. That's like... It sounds like Too Hot to Handle. Did you watch Too Hot to Handle? I did, absolutely. I'll watch any of these shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but they have to, they have to like work together, but they're also just trying to bang each other. It's all very fun. <laughs> it's it's so they stupid have to fun. find who's right for them. Gotcha. Right. I would love to watch that. And like the one thing with it is it's very heteronormative, which I um. I am always fighting for a little more diversity in these shows. But I know that the yeah. newer seasons, these are older seasons, the newer seasons are like Everyone is fair game. It's very, it's very pan. It's very open. So uh, I'm going to watch these Netflix seasons and then I'm going to try to find the, the more open fun seasons too. I, I also picked some relationship themed recommendations for our listeners this week. Um, I, I mentioned this book earlier when we were talking with Harris attached it was recommended to me by a friend it's um it's basically about your attachment style in relationships and um 
the three main types. I think this is a very well-known framework already, but reading the book itself, it's a bit different where like not only does it help you identify your own uh, style, but also your partners or just people around you. I actually found this book not only just useful for like romantic situations, but I actually find it more useful in other situations. Like I'm avoidant when it comes to my family, mm. anxious when it comes to romantic relationships, and I'm secure with work relationships. <laughs> and it's like being able to identify my patterns of thinking when I'm avoidant helps me understand avoidant people, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so this book also tells you like how to how to behave, how to effectively communicate, how to how to, you know, work towards being more secure. Um, And it's helpful for, I think, not only people trying to improve their communication, relationships, dating, and all that stuff, but just like in life, in life, Mm -hmm. people all have different attachment styles. Um, And related to that, I also, I always do a three combo, by the way, Jess, when I'm an overachiever. I I have a lot of of three things. (laughs) My second recommendation, I'll just quickly shout out the Dear Therapist column on The Atlantic. I, you know, have recommended the book before by Lori Gottlieb. Uh, She wrote uh, the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, but she also has a column on The Atlantic called Dear Therapist. And she covers very, like, she gives very helpful, I think, advice on how to navigate all sorts of difficult life situations, but I especially like, and I found uh, most helpful right after my breakups, the advice she gives about how to navigate like breaking up with your partner. So uh, give that a read whenever you need some help on these issues. And then finally, finally, uh, <laughs> a modern a modern recommendation uh, is the Instagram account called the the Matthew Hussey. Um, it's this relationship coach as well called Matthew Hussey. He's um, pretty well known, but I've what I've found is that he he caters more okay so he caters more towards straight women so women looking for men and but the advice he gives i've just kind of i keep sending to my friends i keep sending to like my female friends who have problems um not just getting out there but also just i mean talk problems and relationships and dating not just general problems i got some real problems <laughs> you got some real problems girl read follow this guy <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, I think his videos are very easy to um, understand. He gives very actionable advice. Um, so if you prefer your advice coming from Instagram and not a book or a column, you can follow the Matthew Hussey on Instagram. Nice. Well, hey, I'm going to throw another one out there. I'm going to overachieve. Yes. Um, Do it. Where, where should we begin with, with Esther Perel? It's a podcast. Oh. Yeah. She, Esther Perel, she's a relationship therapist. It's So this podcast is literal like actual recorded sessions of her with couples and it's single sessions and they go through some pretty cool issues. And she just has a really, um, she has a ton of expertise and she just has a really global holistic view of these relationships. You can tell she really, she really gets to the heart of the issues really fast. So where should we begin? That's a good one too. That is a good one. I mean, I think that one of the things people do after breakups is look for things to distract themselves with. And then this, this might be a definitely a podcast upon. You can relate to a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's it for our episode this week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Jess online at at Jess Condit on Twitter or Jess L Condit, C-O-N-D-I-T-T on Instagram. If you want to have a debate with me about what movie is a holiday movie, you can find me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us everything you thought about this episode and the whole podcast and what we can do better. Send us an email to podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please, because that'll really help people find us. And then subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. <laughs>